Good evening. I'm sorry. I forgot my forgot my glasses again. You my wife to start dressing me here too. I have the class tonight, and uh, sorry that Danny's ill. Um, we're going to look at uh, some uh, just thoughts of control and controlling our our tongue. Because he's talking about leadership. That's a good one <laughs> for leadership or anything else, right? So anyway, let's go to God in prayer, please. Great God, we do love you so very much and thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Please give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and help us, Lord God, to grow and bless us to learn and to be reminded of just the power of the tongue. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Be thy will. Amen. So someone said, and I believe it's true, control your tongue and you control your life. <laughs> right? Uh, and not only control, you're, we're going to be in Proverbs the whole night, by the way. Um, we may come out just for a moment, but we'll stay in Proverbs most of the way. And we're going to chapter 10, beginning us. Control your, your tongue and you control your life. But I also believe, in addition to that, if you control your tongue, um, you also help control other people's lives. It's interesting that um, I have Proverbs 18 written down later, and I'm going to get to that, but... I want to just uh, just to read this to you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I, I really, you know, that passage, it is so powerful. To me, it's that one that I think about and reflect on often. And um, to think about having so much power in your, well, it's in your mouth, right? Not in your hands, but you have the power. I want you to think about that passage in this life. You have the power in a marriage relationship to absolutely destroy your family, or your wife in particular, your wife, or build her up. To destroy your husband. I mean, you think about that, right? The way you use your tongue in the household, in the home, you have so much power. You can destroy your whole entire relationship just with the power of the tongue, right? Or... You can build it up and make it beautiful and blissful. You have that power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So that's an emotional, but also physical death, right? You've seen, maybe you've seen it or heard of it, that two people get into a fight, an argument, and then it turns into a physical scuffle, and they're talking, and then you, you hear things like, oh, yeah, go ahead and do it. And sometimes that happens, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But we're in Proverbs chapter 10. All right. Let's look at Proverbs 10 and verse 11. Our tongues can lead us to destruction and our tongues can lead us to life. Our tongues can lead us to eternal destruction and our tongues can lead us to eternal life. Right? In the sense of how we speak to each other and to others. So let's just look at verses in Proverbs regarding the tongue. Verse 11. And, and feel free to stop me at any point because tonight we're just relaxed. We're not on a time constraint. We'll do, get what we can done and what we don't. Uh, we do not. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Do I use my mouth, my tongue, to feel the lives of others, to enrich them, to enrich them, to 
fill them with good, uh, whether we use terms of um, adoration or, or just, or just kind with what we say and how we say it. Uh, what is the old um, Proverbs, I guess it is? Um, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, right? It's how you say it. How am I using my tongue? And do I think about um, the way that I utter my mind? You know, am I thinking about the way that I utter my mind? Because once it's out, can you take it back? Once it's out there, it's out there. We really have to think about um, what we're saying and how we're saying it because once it flies out of here, trouble, 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 or blissfulness and beauty, just right? So hold that thing, that tongue, when you, when you want to let it go, right? Don't let it, don't let it fail, flail in the, in the wind. Keep that flapper in there, right? Watch what you say and how we say it. And sometimes um, when we say things, without thinking about what we're saying, we, you know, then we have nothing but trouble. But when you think about what you're saying first and just, and just hold it when it's not anything productive coming, um, it does everybody good, right? It does everyone good. Uh, it also, in verse 12, it, it says, Hatred steers up strife, but love covers all transgressions. I wanted to add that one in there because you know, the tongue... Now, when we use our tongues in an argument, are we trying to win or are we trying to... And when I say win, are we trying to, you know, who's going to hurt the other person the most? Right? Are we trying to win? I mean, we can be honest, right? In an argument, you want to win. So if you want to win, you use words that will help you win. Right? Okay? Um, and that, that means belittling each other. Um, Husbands and wives, relationships. That means um, just really, just I'm going to get you back. You know, you said something that really hurt me. And so I'm going to get you back. And I know your secrets. Right? And so I'm going to say that thing. You ever cross that line? Right? Cross that line. You just, but then when it's out there, sometimes it's not forgotten. Sometimes that, that word, that, that thought, it just... It, it it's so deep. It goes so deep. The Bible calls them daggers and swords. That I can use my words and I can... It's like thrusting a sword into another person's heart. And when you're in an argument, if you're not careful and you don't have control, you'll, you'll thrust that sword. All of us are capable of doing that because we want to win, right? And then when it's all over, everyone's hurt, we're damaged, right? And then when you damage someone... Um, now we have to try to rebuild again. And why do we do that to each other? Right? We damage, and, and then we have to rebuild. And then we damage, and then we have to rebuild. We have to just learn how to... Someone says zip it, right? Okay. Listen to verse 18. 18 through about 21. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is a, as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. So listen to that. Listen to how that tongue works, right? That tongue works in a way, we go to James all the time and think about the deadliness of the tongue, 
the fire that it sets, you know, the big blaze, and it sets a field of fire. And, but listen to how that tongue works. Where does the tongue get its power from? Anyone? Where does it, where does it come from? Yeah, it comes from a heart. This one, though. All right, not that one. If it came from that one, we'd just say, ouch. <laughs> right? It comes from this one. So here's the problem, right? If I'm, re- if I'm holding uh, anger in, right? So I'm angry at, at, you know, at my wife or my friends or my boss, whomever. If I hold it in and hold it in and hold it in, what is going to eventually happen? Yeah, it's going to come out. It's going to explode. And we call that outburst of anger in the Bible, Galatians chapter 5, a work of the flesh. When it explodes, does the tongue explode in a productive way or an unproductive way? I mean, good or bad? <laughs> yeah, bad, right? It's not good. When it comes out and explodes, all of a sudden, everything that's on your heart just comes out. Now, that's a lack of control, though, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't have to be that. But it's unnatural. Here's an unnatural thing. It is an unnatural feeling or thought or... It is unnatural to hold evil inside of you. To hold anger, resentment, frustration. We hold so much in, don't we? And when we do that, we just burden ourselves and burden ourselves and burden ourselves. And then one day, one day, you know what's coming, like a ticking time bomb, we are going to explode. And then we're like a skunk. You know what a skunk does, right? Skunk, you know, has its, its enemy or predator or whatever around it. And um, if you're anywhere in the wrong position, in the wrong place, you may be innocent, but you're going to get sprayed. And then the skunk waddles away like nothing happened. Well, everyone gets sprayed. You're hurt for a couple of you know weeks or whatever it may be, uh, both the innocent and the guilty, right? And so when we explode, we end up hurting everybody around us and even losing some of our advantage or opportunity to spread Christ, don't we? You know, and then we have to humble ourselves and go back to work the next day or go to our homes the next day, wherever it is, and apologize. But we don't always do that, do we? And that's pride. So now pride with the tongue, we got all kinds of trouble. The tongue without the self-control of the mind can be so destructive that um, it, it just brings us very, very, very low. Right? Look at verse uh, verse. 31. The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. So the mouth of the righteous flows. So where do we get wisdom? What does the Bible tell us? Yeah, you get it from God, right? If you don't have wisdom, you ask God. So that means when I want to learn how to communicate with someone, I should ask God for wisdom, right? James tells us that. Proverbs tells us that. We ask God for wisdom to give us direction and guidance and then have you ever been in this position where you're going lord please help me to know how to say this right i want to know i want to know how to say it in a way that is productive and give me the right timing right timing wisdom wisdom the application of knowledge right give me the right timing to uh, to bring this knowledge forth to someone that needs to hear it right but galatians 6 says lord but when you do that look to yourself first Right, so you put all these scriptures together, it helps us to learn how to hold our tongues, right? And then to use them in a very wise and productive way. And so the mouth of the righteous will flow with all this wisdom to know how to say, how do I need to, I need to talk to this individual about this subject or, I mean, wherever I am in this setting, and I need to convey a certain message. God, please give me the wisdom 
to know how to how and when to bring this message um, to fruition, right? And then we might ask God also, give me knowledge, though. Make sure I'm, I'm right. Make sure I've got this kind of put together properly in such a way. Just like Bible studies, it's really simple. Um, if you're in a Bible study and, and maybe um, someone comes and they're really, really, um, uh, how am I, what word am I looking for? Um, they're deceitful. Right, you've, you've met people like that. They're not really interested in teaching you the Bible. They're interested in teaching you something else. And they're deceitful. And okay, and you 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 let them talk, and you gotta learn how to listen and be quiet and wait until you have a stronger point where you can step up and say, "Well, let's talk about that for a moment." You know, um, there there is no heaven. We live we live here forever and ever. Okay, well, that, well where, why would you... Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. Maybe that's the strong point that I have. Deceitfulness, someone that's trying to draw me away from Christ. We hear that and see that all the time. To know, to know how, to, how to hold my tongue, to refrain my tongue. Is wisdom sometimes um, uttered through silence? Yeah, right? Sometimes just don't say anything at all, right? Just be quiet. And, and yeah, I know that takes, that takes humility. Right? So you have pride, the opposite. So sometimes I have to be really humble and just be silent and just. I mean, what right now? What is this going to? What the things that I could say, that I would like to say, is it going to bring any fruit to this discussion? Right? If it's not going to bring any fruit, and I love fruit because um, fruit in the Bible is different from um, other fruits that we may find in the world. Fruit in the Bible is sanctified. Right. Because it says the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's not fruits. It's fruit, right? Singular. And so the fruit of the Spirit is sanctified. It's totally set apart by the Spirit. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, one, of the fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is love. I think, though, and we've lived long enough to know that everyone, every human being to some level or another, loves something or someone, right? Hitler, I love using Hitler, not, not because I love to use Hitler, but everyone knows of him. And you go, Hitler was not full of love. Sure, he loved his family, right? He loved those who was, were in his, you know, whatever, his, um, his regime. Uh, there was something he got for, whatever it is. He had some form of love. Would that love that Hitler displayed be a fruit of the Spirit? No, of course not. Right? It's not a sanctified work. It's not set apart by God because it has what? It has improper motives attached to it. You see the difference? But a fruit of the Spirit is, when you think of love, is centered only on Jesus and how we can bring Jesus to others through our actions, through our words. Uh, and so we're trying to save and not destroy. Right? And so we can talk more about that. Um, and sometimes we go through the fruit of the, of the Spirit. But this love that God has and this wisdom that God gives us is, is sanctified. This fruit flows out in a way that is uh, amazingly positive, even in a chaotic situation, right? And so here's what God wants us to do. Look at verse 9 of chapter 11. And I decided to go one chapter at a time instead of doing the way I normally like to do it. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, 
the righteous will be delivered. And so again, that that mouth. So what would a, a godless man, you know, he's trying to destroy. Um, he doesn't have God in his heart or in his mind. He might say, hey, I love you. The word love, I tell you, it's kind of interesting. Um, everybody loves something nowadays, right? You know, you, you watch, um, I watch American Idol, America, what is that? I don't know. Where you, they do things. What is it called again? Watch it. Every, America what? Yes, America's Got Talent. That was the one. Yes, that one. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, they'll go up before the judges, and the judges will say, I love you. They don't love that individual. They don't even know that individual, right? I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, I love you. You don't, you don't love me. You don't even know me, right? But the world uses the word love so, so loosely. It has no, it has no longer, it no longer has a meaning, right? The meaning of love is just the same as saying, I love pizza. You know, it's like, I love you as much as I love pizza or something. You know, there's nothing to it. There's no depth to it. There's no real meaning to it. And Bible love, that sanctified love goes deep, right? That deep love. Like when I try to talk to people, um, especially the younger generation, about my Facebook friends, you know, you have Facebook friends, which means if you break down the side of the road, don't call them. <laughs> they're not going to come get you, right? They're just your Facebook friends, which means they're not really friends, kind of associates. No, I love pizza. I love you. The, this, the depth of the word love, when we use it as God's people, has to have meaning behind it, right? Love is two things. It's truth and action, right? That's what love is. You don't have to tell me you love me. I can see it. Right? I can see it as clear as day. I can watch it and I can, I can see it. I'll know it through your action. I'll know it through the truthfulness that's on your heart or in your heart. And that's how God is love, right? All the other characteristics of love all throughout the Bible are beautiful and wonderful, but God is love. God's not mushy love. God is love in two ways, truth and action, right? He sent his son, there's the action, and the truth, he's impossible for God to lie. God will never lie to you, and God will always be there, right? That's God. So God is love. So when God says, I love you, that means that you're going to see all that God um, will muster in the moment, whatever that moment is, whatever is necessary, he'll put forth the love that he has, to save even the, even the wicked, right? Because God is love, right? So when we say, I love you, it has to be a fruit of the Spirit. It must be that sanctified kind of love that's full of truth and full of action, right? That in relationships, how, how beautiful it is. Okay, let's go over to chapter 12. Let's look at verse uh, 13. Verse 13. So we listen carefully to the words that others speak or utter. Uh, Verse 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. So what makes the... Think about escaping from trouble and this this evil man uh, transgressing, if you will, through his lips. What What is the difference? What do you think the difference is? Think about love, truth, and action. What do you think the difference is? He's going to say what he means and means what he says, right? He's not going to lie. Christians are not supposed to lie. We're supposed to be honest and upright uh, people, and we're supposed to just tell the truth. 
Always. Even when it hurts me, I still have to tell the truth. Right? Be honest. And um, when you lie, you have to remember what you said. It's going to get you. It is going to come back and get you. Think about the feeling of betrayal when someone who's, who has said they love you lies to you and you find out they're lying. We go, I feel so betrayed. There's the action, right? The action's gone. And, and, and the truth is gone. So where's the love? Has God ever lied to you? Never. Right? He sent his son. Jesus said, I, I could stop this. Call angels and destroy the whole world. But he didn't. There's the action. He's always, always demonstrating the words that he says or utters, right? What a beautiful relationship that God gives to us that we could have with each other if we would exercise uh, truth and honesty and integrity. Let's continue. Verse um, 14. Yeah, 13 and 14. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Okay. Huh. All right, we'll think about that for a minute. We'll come back. Verse 14. Where there is no guidance, but the, the people fall, uh, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory, uh, gaining truth and understanding. Verse 18, please. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. And then chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, and we'll stop. From the fruit of a man's mouth, he enjoys good, but the desire of the treacherous is violence. The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. All right. So let's think about this again, back to love. Um, If you're going to be with someone for the rest of your life, what is the wisest thing you can do regarding the tongue? Use it forever to always build the other person up. Right? I mean, if you're, you, might, if you're going to build, you might as well build a mountain in your household, right? <laughs> be a big old huge mountain full of love, whether it's shaped in a heart or whatever it may be. Fill it up, right? Just, just let it go. Just build each other up and with honesty, build each other up and build each other up and build each other up and build each other up. And you know, he says it about the church as well, right? In Ephesians chapter four, that we are to build each other up and build each other up to equip each other to fight against Satan. We just build each other up. And, and someone said, you know, husbands should treat their wives as queens and build them up, and wives should treat their husbands as kings and build them up and just keep building each other up. The wicked don't think that way. If you're living an ungodly life, it's about building me up, right? Oh, here we go, in the back. Okay, Brother James, I know what this means. Well, you're supposed to talk to the people online. It's, that's the reason. Thank you. I just disagree with constantly building them up, building them up, building them up. Because that's not being honest with the individual. Because no individual is perfect. And if you love me, you're going to tell me what my faults are to help me to obtain to be better. So to constantly mm-hmm. build me up in spite of all of the faults I have, mm-hmm. that's not good either. Oh, yeah. Well, let me give you an example. I love examples. All right. So you're training your son or daughter to play a sport, right? And, and, and they're supposed to do a certain move, and they, 
They just don't have it yet. And they're working on it. Okay. Can you say, look, we got, we, we got to keep practice. We got to keep doing this. You're not there yet, but you are getting close. Can I say that? I've just built you up. I'm going to tell you the truth, right? But I'm going to build you up. I've got to send some positives in there. You know, like, you've got to keep working at this. We're almost there. We're not there yet. There's the negative. But we're going to, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. You're going to be just fine. Keep going. Keep working at it. You have to find the way to, to build someone up always, even when you're being honest. You know, um, if someone says, do I look fat in this? Never mind. Let's skip that one. All right. <laughs> I'll let you work that one out. <laughs> All right. So we, you have to find a way to build them up, even though you have to tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. You always tell the truth. Jesus. Jesus told us that. Jesus, yeah, when he tells you the truth, he says, look, you know, uh, let me give you a good example. Jeremiah 17 and verse line, 9 from God. How do you feel about God? What do you think God, uh, when God looks at you and, and looks at me, what do you think God thinks about me? You know, and what does God really, how does God feel? And you'd say, well, God loves us because, you know, blah, blah, blah. He made us and God is wonderful. And God, I'm going to give you two scriptures to show you exactly how God feels about you. But he builds you up too, all right? Jeremiah 17, verse 9, right? Listen to this one. It says, the heart is more deceitful. Tony, let me change that. Tony, you are more deceitful than all else. And you are desperately sick. Me? Yeah, you too. All of us. Right? And, and, and he said, I, I, the Lord, search the heart. Tony, I'm searching your heart. I'm searching your mind. I'm testing your mind. Even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the result of his deeds. So look, Tony, I need you to know something. That you are as capable of so much evil and wicked because it's in you. I didn't put it in you, but it's in you. I'm going to test you. And I want to help you get there. But you've got to make some changes. Okay, Lord, I can do it, right? Did he tear me down? Yeah, but he builds me up because so many other times he says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Look at Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Look, if you will, at verse 5. Speaking, He's talking to Israel. In verse 4, he called them a sinful nation. Verse 5, where will you be stricken again? As you continue in your rebellion, the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the, um, of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. But I'm going to die for you, because I'm going to fix that, right? I'm, though your sins are scarlet, red as scarlet, I'm going to make them what? It's white as snow. He tears us down, but he builds us up. He's honest with us. God is honest with us. But God loves us to pieces, right? I mean, that's not a proper analogy. But he loves us so, so very much. And he even challenges us. Look at verse uh, 18. He says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. He wasn't saying I was going to change and become a great person. He was saying, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to justify you. I'm going to reconcile you. I'm going to sanctify you, even though you all messed up. You know, you got to love that about God, right? You go through the genealogy and you start reading and we read the genealogy and we're like Bathsheba. Why did you put Bathsheba in there? Why is David in there? Why is Ruth in there? Well, because 
God uses us as humans even in our weakest moments, right? And we all have a whole bunch of those. We're filled with them. So, so God is completely honest with us. Um, but he also builds us up all through the scriptures. He's building us up. The problem with that, I think you're saying, is if I'm not honest enough to tell you the truth, I can't build you up, right? But the reality is, is that when I, when I tell you the truth, um, I need to throw some positives in there to build you up as well. Uh, yes. Oh, wait, microphone. Ugly truth, she said. That's even worse than the truth. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pausing for the microphone. When, even when you get, when somebody is speaking the truth in love and it's not favorable, it doesn't mean they're tearing you down because the truth always mm-hmm. builds you up. Mm-hmm. You know, right. even, I mean, even what you just said, our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. But there is nothing. He wants us to know this truth because it sets us free from the bondage of our own sin, right. and it directs us to Him. Mm-hmm. So even even when things are not positive, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's tearing you down. Right, that is correct. It's just like when you're if you're counseling someone and they're doing some horrible things, and if you do what Galatians six says and look to yourself, or yeah, I'll give you another one, Ecclesiastes. Let's go look at that one, chapter seven. So here's someone comes in. And they, and they explain to you, and they go, you know, I've, I've murdered some folks, and I've, um, I've, I've you know, <laughs> I've, and this is true, right? I murdered some folks, um, and, I, and I did some really bad things against God, against God, and I, I, I felt good about it when I was doing it. I've got to be honest. Um, I'm kind of stuck. I'm in a pickle. What, what do I do? The Apostle Paul, <laughs> right? <laughs> what do I do? And God says, i got something for you, right? Um, there's some consequences, but I've got something for you. So listen to this. Ecclesiastes 7. Let's begin at verse 19. Wisdom. I love wisdom. Wisdom strengthens a wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Indeed, there's not a righteous man on earth who continually does good, who never sins. All right, let's pause here for a moment. Okay. So I'm looking at myself and going, okay, well, I mean, I've never murdered anyone, Paul. Yeah, but I've told, I've told a bucket full of lies. And God says they're both the same to him. Wait. No, no. But Paul says, no, you don't understand. I murdered people. And I go, yeah, but I lied to people. <laughs> yeah, but in the eyes of God, it's still sin. Are they wrong? They're both wrong. They have different consequences, but they're both sin. The wages of sin, S-I-N, not sins. Sin is death, right? Now, listen to what he does. Here's a setup. This is a setup. You look at this and you go, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll admit it. There's not a righteous man on the earth, but you're supposed to say, okay, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I'm not always a righteous, I mess up. Okay, I get it. Thank you, Lord. Then he goes into this next thought, and he says, verse 21, also do not take seriously all words which are spoken unless you hear your servant cursing you. All right, time out. Now God, we're crossing the line, right? I walk out in this, I leave the building, the auditorium, and I walk out there in the foyer, and no one else is around, and people don't know. They're already out there, and they're sorry. And they go, you know that preacher? That we Okay, you know that preacher, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that preacher, yeah, she needs the microphone. We're going to get into a good one. That preacher, he, he, uh, he's really this, and, and he go into this conversation, and it's, and it's terrible conversation about me. What do I do about that? Do I run home and say, I can't believe they were talking about me, and how am I going to deal with that? And the, and the catch-all is in the next verse, and it says in verse 22, but you also have, like, have realized that you likewise have many times cursed others. So, so here's what God gives us as a measuring rod. Anything you're guilty of, 
you cannot get angry at anyone else when they do the same thing to you. That one stings, but that one's there. Yes, sister, go on. Okay, so in, in Ecclesiastes 3. I love it. I'm going there. He says, for everything there is a appointed time, and every appointed time and for every activity on earth. A time to be born, a time to die, a time mm-hmm. to plant, a time to uproot what is planted, a time mm-hmm. to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Right. So there is a time to do that. So you, I, I, just, I just don't agree with constantly always build up. Mm-hmm. Because there's a time and place for everything. And in a lot of cases, the truth hurts. Sure. You know, so, so it doesn't mean that you not tell me the truth because you think you want to build me up. I probably need to hurt. Yes. And so I just don't agree with. No, so I'm not saying. Constantly building up. I'm not saying never. You always tell the truth. And the truth does hurt. But you don't leave them there. You don't push the guy down in the mud and leave him. Help him up. That's, that's the point that I'm making, that the Bible makes, that it's, we have to say what we have to say. So the preacher, so imagine me, right here I'm a preacher, God's word. When I go up there on, on, uh, on Sunday, um, and I look at my lessons, I've been beat up first, just so y'all know, right? I look at the verses, rip a bunch of them out, mm, those don't fit, does, that's okay, yep. And I'll tell Rick, Tracy, here you go, Tracy, here's a rough. I gotta go over it again. I mean, I read those verses, I don't know how many times, over and over and over again, and get beat up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. But I got to go through that in order to help you. Right? Now, now here's a problem. What if I go through that and I only think about you? Right? I might not be able to preach that sermon. Oh, I know so-and-so did that. You know, so I can flip that page, right? Uh, no, um, I, we have to go through the scriptures and we have to accept God's, God's building, right? He builds us up, but he does break us down. There's no question about that. Um, but you don't leave them down you have to pull them up that's what god does god will will tear us down to build us up god will uh for example repentance what do you have to do you you have to come the word repent means godly sorrow right so it means i'm i'm looking at myself and i'm at this moment i'm not blaming anyone else right i'm, I'm it's all me and i'm, I'm i got to get to that point right um have you, maybe you've been there where you have to want to be i mean i want to repent I mean, where maybe you're at that point where I don't want to repent yet. I'm not ready to, um, I mean, yeah, I want to be forgiven, but I don't, it's not in my heart yet. I'm not really at that point yet. I'm still angry, right? And so since I'm still angry, I'm just, I'm not there. Uh, you have to get there. And God's point is, you can't come to me like that. You have to fix you first. And then you can come to me. And so, uh, for example, um, Sunday morning, if you're angry with your brother, you've been fighting, God says, don't bring your money. Your money's no good here. I don't want your money. Don't give it. Leave it at the altar. Go fix your problem. And then you can give to me. But you are not permitted to give your offering to me if your heart is not right. That's a good one, right? That one stings a little bit, right? Some people say, oh, good, I'll just keep my money. Now, that's not what God said. You get it right first, then you give it, right? And so I agree with you 100% that we need to say those things that need to be said. We need to preach those things that need to be spoken. But at the same time, we still need to tag along with that a way out. You've got to give someone um, the truth and build them back up. You can get there, but this is what you have to do. And it's not always easy 
to do those things. It's not easy to do the things that are necessary, uh, even mandated for my change, right? But um, we, we don't want to be like the world. The world will tear you down and leave you there. But God doesn't do that. God, God tells us the truth, and it, it does. You're right. It stings. It hurts. But if you know, what we're supposed to do is um, receive it, right? You have to receive it. Uh, like I always encourage people, don't ask a question if you're not ready to receive the answer, right? So, so I'll give you an, an example. My wife just left. I can talk about her. No, just kidding. Um, if, if someone asks, someone bakes you a cake, and they spend all day in the kitchen, and they're not really good at baking cakes, but they spend all day in the kitchen baking you a cake, and they bring you that cake, and they cut you a slice, and you're ready to eat it, and they're sitting there right in front of you. My wife's never done this, so <laughs> look at all. She's, she's a good cook. Okay, uh, anyway, <laughs> tell you about another couple I know. But anyway, <laughs> and that cake was just not good. And, and the brother would describe it as if it was not edible. <laughs> he, said, he said, but I told her, I said, you know, she asked about, she said, do you like my cake? And he says, I, I said, yeah, honey, th- thank you for making that. And he, and he came to, uh, to me and he says, yeah, I, I told her that. I lied to her and I'm, and I'm sorry. And I said, well, now let me talk to you about consequences. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, she's going to make that cake again. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> now he was faced with a dilemma, right? Do you tell the truth? Or, you know, you better start telling the truth, right? So um, uh, if there's, you, we have, don't ask a question if you're not ready to receive the answer. Don't put your brother, sister, or anyone else in a position to where they feel like they have to lie to you to pacify you, right? Only ask the questions that you're ready to receive the answer. And then when you receive the answer, you have to um, champion up on that. You have to receive it in a godly way and then move on from there. So um, we always want to tell the truth. I really, I really appreciate um, your, your comments, though, because it makes us elaborate more and give more of an explanation on that, on that subject. Um, another thing is finding a way to say it, right? Um, if you have something that's real tough in a relationship and you need to say it, find the best way to say it, right? It's not always just saying it. Find the best way to say it. And it's not, don't butter it up first. That's not the best way to say it. You know, it's just, oh, I want you to know, you know, you've made 35 cakes and I've loved every one of them. But this last cake, right? Don't butter it up. Uh, just, I mean, we have to find the way, the right way to say it. And the best thing to do is ask God for an open door, right? When God opens the door, it's a, you'll be amazed. You already know this, but at the things you can say when the door is open that you never thought you could ever say. But when God opens the door, it's perfect, right? So wisdom says that I have to hold my tongue and wait until the door is open. And when the door is open, looking to myself first, Galatians 6, then I can step through that door, right? And God will get and pray to God for the wisdom to be able to, uh, to say those things that are going to be, you know it, they're going to be hurtful, right? They're going to be hurtful. But sometimes you're right. We've got to say those hurtful things in order to help people out, in order to help myself out, right? So when you read the Bible, and I'll give you next, another step on that. When you read the Bible, your prayer should be twofold. One, God, please open my eyes and my ears to understand and hear you. Twofold. And help me to see me. Ouch. 
because he'll do it. You ever done that before? You ever, you ever just sat down, opened the Bible up and started reading and going, ooh, wow, that was, okay, turn the page, right? Something about you. If you're looking for you in the Bible, you'll find you. If you ask God to show you, God, show me me. I'm a narcissistic individual. Show me, ooh, that one, I can't be that way. Selfishness, you know, it's in there. It's, it's all there. God's word is, it's an open book, right? And he knows what I need. He knows what I need. Cure for anger, real quick, before the bell rings. A cure for anger. Pray to God, right? Short prayer. <laughs> Short prayer. And ask him to help you. And then just start reading the Bible. You'll eventually, you'll either one, get so tired of reading the Bible, you'll just stop and say, it's not even worth it, <laughs> right? Or two, it'll all go away. Talk to some of your brethren, they'll tell you about that. It works so well. All right, another one. Okay, let's see, uh, Proverbs. Let's go back to my Proverbs 18. I want to, uh, to go and look at that one before the, the bell rings. The life and, life, life and death and the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If I have the power to build you up, I need to use that power. Right? And that's, that's coming from here. I need to be honest, though. Right, I need to be honest. So if if um, if I if I if I can't find something good to say to my brother or sister, uh, I need to I need to do what? Yeah, I don't say anything. Zip it, right, right. Until I can find something good, I can always find something good to say. It may not be about the individual, but it may be about Jesus, the power of Jesus to change and transform our minds, or whatever it may be. But I've gotta find that ability. To be like, to be like Jesus, right? What does Jesus have to say to me? And the answer is, Jesus doesn't have to say anything. He already did it, right? He already did it. He died on that cross willingly, willingly, right? When he made us, it was willingly so that we could be saved regardless of who we are, or where we have been, right? Regardless of who we are or where we have been. And I think it helps if sometimes we take time to talk to each other about where we've been. Because it's amazing the fruit that can come out of the where an individual has been. Maybe not specifically for me in that moment, but when I talk to someone else and they're struggling with something, and they go, you know, i got to be honest, I only have academic knowledge. I can read you what the Bible says, and I can read to you what some other books may say, but I have never, ever been there. But I know someone who has. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather in difficult times talk to a Christian who's been there, right, than to talk to someone who has no clue, right? Because it's easier to spout off Bible. You know, oh, well, here's the Bible says, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and the Bible says this. It's easy to do that. Yeah? But someone has been there, they're going to talk about the situation first and get you where they are. And then they're going to say, here's the verse that helped me the most. Right? This is a different kind of tactic and or uh, technique. So we have the power to destroy each other with our words. And we have the power to build each other up. I don't know what you went through coming through these doors. But I'm sure at some point you've been through something. And how beautiful it is that we have the power 
with our tongues to say, hi, brother, sister, how you doing? And I may not want to talk about it right now. I may just say, I'm having a tough time, sister, but you know, your prayers will be good, brother. Your prayers will be great. Okay. All right, I'll pray for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I have the power, right? But we also have the power to tell a lie. And that is, hey, brother, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for asking. That's not the truth, right? No, let, let's not do that. Let's be honest, right? All right. Our class is up. Thank you very much for your time tonight. I really appreciate it. Brother James, thanks for helping me out tonight. God bless you. Thank you, sisters, for your help, too.